It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Don't forget to check out Smoky Mountain Organics at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or visit one of their four locations in East Tennessee, Knoxville, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Gatlinburg. They got you taken care of at all four of those spots. If you shop in-store, in-person, be sure to mention VolQuest. They'll give you 15% off your total purchase. Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. All right, guys, lots to get to uh, on this open-date edition of uh, the VolQuest.com Tuesday podcast. Uh, Rob, open date coming at a tremendous time for this team, obviously. We'll dive into that in a minute. But I just wanted to get kind of your big picture takeaway uh, from what you saw in, in Tennessee and Alabama on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I, don't, you know, I think we all agree that, you know, sometimes the most vocal posters on VolQuest on the general scores don't necessarily represent, you know, Vol Nation as a whole. I was, I was kind of amazed to get on there Saturday night and see some of the Wailing and gnashing of teeth. I mean, I thought Tennessee played well, really well, with a depleted roster, not being able to run the football, and it's 31-24 in the fourth quarter against a team you know you hadn't beaten a decade and a half. I was, I mean, I thought they brought it all and, and, and laid it on the line and, and and hung around against a vastly more talented opponent for 46 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that they – they. I mean, their effort was tremendous. I think, Austin, when you get to the point you get in the fourth quarter and you start thinking you have a chance and then it falls apart the way they do, that probably leads to some of that gnashing of the teeth. But um, I, I think if you sit back and review it and look at it, the, the fact that Tennessee was in that ball game in the fourth quarter – and again, no Tennessee fan wants to hear moral victories, but it says a lot about this team's grit that they were hanging around for three-and-a-half quarters of football. There's no doubt about it. And, and, and real, frankly, what piggyback what Rob said, I mean, you know, some of the people that were kind of, you know, ah, lost again, ah, you know, after the game are the same people that, you know, five minutes in when Alabama went up seven nothing said, it's over, you know? And I mean, in, in, in theory, they were right. They, they did lose by 28 points, but I mean, again, did they lose by 28? How you thought they were going to lose by 28? No. I mean, like they, they, they scrapped, they battled, they clawed, they, you know, again, look at where they're at at safety. They're slow at safety. They got Banks and Beasley at linebacker, and that's pretty much all they have. And 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 those guys are not great in space. Um, you know, yet they're they're finding ways to compete. Um, the problem is when you play 102 last week and then you go over 80 this week, um, you're just gassed. You know, I mean, Tennessee just you, you go back. They they score. Cedric Cummins has the big touchdown. They're down seven, and Alabama goes huge third down deep ball matched up with Beasley and Jalen McCullough and third you know, and one of those things. On 20. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where, I mean, just, you're just not fast enough. You got to have more depth. I mean, again, I go back to what I said in the podcast after the game, nobody expected Tennessee to beat Alabama. I think 90% of people didn't expect Tennessee to even compete with Alabama the way they did, but this next week, uh, you know, this next game and in, in, you know, 12 days against Kentucky, that's a different deal. I mean, 
People see the, the logo on the helmet. They don't see how much Kentucky's improved as a football program and where they're currently ranked, which by the time Tennessee rolls into Lexington, depending on how games go ahead of them this weekend and how they do against Mississippi State, they could be a top-10 team when Tennessee plays, uh, you know, on the Commonwealth coming up in, in 12 days. So, it, you know, go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, AP, to your point, been doing, you know, I know pro football focus doesn't always tell the whole story, but – the four lowest graded players this week, all in the 40s and 30s, Jalen McCullough, Trevon Flowers, Aaron Beasley, Salon Page. Yeah, I mean, and that's they, where Tennessee got beat, Brent. Yeah, mm-hmm. those th- those guys those guys struggled. I mean, there's there's no question that those guys um, had tough days. And and again, t- two things stand out. And and I want to this piggybacks off what you guys stand you guys just said. And these are my two biggest questions about this team moving forward. And what's the bigger concern for you guys? One, the, the fact that Tennessee couldn't line up and, and run the football against Alabama because you had Tennessee average on first down plays. Okay, they had 21 first down snaps, 81 yards, averaged 3.9 yards per play on first downs. That's the tied for the lowest total of the year. The only other one that was that low uh, was the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh, they ran it 13 times on first down for 24 yards against Alabama, nine times for 35 yards. Okay. So they struggled to run the football, 3.9 yards rushing on first down. Just a, I mean, they were 6.4 the week before against Ole Miss. Uh, they got to be better on first down. So that's one concern. My other concern about this team, and my, frankly, my bigger concern is the third and long numbers. Tennessee's just getting obliterated on third and long the last two weeks. They've given up 28 third and fourth down conversions. 18 of them have been seven yards plus. A, what's your bigger concern? And B, how do you fix your biggest concern? Austin, we'll start with you. I'll go with run the football. Uh, you know, and again, the next two next two games, Kentucky's good. Um, you know, at the point of attack and in the trenches, obviously Georgia's the best in the, in, the, in the country right now when it comes to you know defense and, and what they do. Um, you know, defensively uh, under Kirby Smart. But, uh, you know, to me, it's that because I think Tennessee's going to give up yards. They're going to kind of, they got to bend but don't break. They got to, you know, do little things well on defense. Um, obviously, that's a concern still, but I still think it's, you, you, you got to be able to get a third and two to extend a drive to give your defense more rest. You've got to get third and twos to, you know, to get in the end zone when you're down and, you know, inside the five. You've got to, to me, you've got to be able to run. Is it as simple as getting Cade back? Maybe. Um, you know, they just they 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 went against a, a really good defensive line and and they got you know whipped pretty good, uh, especially when they tried to run the football. Rob, to Austin's point about third and short offensively, they had five of those against Alabama, failed to convert on four of them. The only conversion was essentially a busted play where Hendon Hooker is going to run a bootleg and he's going to get tackled, so he flipped it ahead to. Jabari Small, who ran for 16 yards on just what was a complete made-up play as you go. So what's your bigger concern? Defense not being able to get off the field, Tennessee's inability to run the football. Excuse me. My bigger concern is is running the football. I agree with AP. And that's partly because, however, I think these last two weeks, I mean, they've been bad on third down, but they also have probably played what might be the two best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that was a real contributing factor. I mean, that's not an excuse, but they're not going to see that talent at that position the rest of the way home. And 
you know, they went into the Alabama game averaging 250 yards a game on the ground. And I think we all saw that that was kind of an illusion. It was padded by 450 yards against Missouri, 350 yards against Bowling Green. And I think against teams like that, what Heupel does with tempo, with formation, with, with scheme, I think he can scheme some things up. But when you start playing Alabama, Georgia, to a lesser degree, Kentucky, you've got to be able to move, move people. And, and that's, what, that's what I question about, about this offensive line right now. Because like you pointed out, they won on first down a lot on Saturday night. They faced a lot of second twos, second threes, and, and didn't move the chains in those situations. And that's what leads to Alabama running 92 plays and you running 54. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the flip side of that, to, to counter that defensively, I mean, you're a bend but don't break defense. You, you can't break on third and long. I mean, when you got a chance to get off the field, you got to get off the field. I wonder if Tennessee doesn't look in those situations, if they don't have to look at a little bit more of a six defensive back package, something you brought up, Rob, going into the Ole Miss game that we haven't seen this defense run. Um, if you can't get home with your front four, you're asking, you know, some linebackers to cover an open space, which is a bit of a challenge. I, I don't know if they do that. And then on the flip side of that, offensively, um, I just think they're going to have to be really, really creative um, to run the football because I, I don't see – I mean, I think it's going to be hard to run against Kentucky, although Kentucky's not as good against the run as Alabama, and nobody's running the football against Georgia. Austin, do you think Cade Mays is going to be back? Is that realistic? And, and is it even a remote realistic possibility that K-Ron Calvert can help this team this fast? I think it's realistic that Cade can be back for Kentucky. Um, okay. Again – you start messing with ankles, anything could be a tweak. Um, but I do think it's realistic for him to be back. As for K-Ron, I, I said that on the you know on the general quarters on Monday. I, I just think that you know the the speed they play at him being in not game shape at all. I, I, it's just hard to to fathom that he's going to be a real factor. Now, can he give him a series or two at some point this year to help spell some guys? I think that's probably realistic. But I just feel like, you know, having not really been training, having not been playing, especially at the speed they go, it's hard to be like, hey, get in there. <laughs> You've got it. Um, so I, I think that's a bit far-fetched. But, again, you just never know what they're looking for out of him and, you know, and then how he feels about it. Yeah, and Kingston Harris, Austin, I mean, we, you know, when that injury happened, kind of rumblings that maybe two or three weeks, but you just haven't heard anything about him you know potentially returning to be a factor anytime soon have you no i they thought it would be just a few weeks i i thought that he could probably be back for kentucky um you know i saw him out at the powell catholic game last week he seemed to be you know moving around fine um you know again we'll see i just think it all depends on how you know the medical team you know clears him and what they think well, this team needs to get healthy in a lot of places, and they need to get some guys a lot of rest, Rob. When you look at those PFS snap numbers, snap count numbers, still pretty remarkable. Some of the guys, some of the guys on this team that are logging the volume of snaps that they're logging. Matt, we talk about it every week. Matthew Butler, I mean, it's insane. He was, <laughs> I think it was seventy this week. I got, I've got it right here. Yeah, I mean, uh, 69. 69 snaps for an interior defensive lineman. In that kind of game against that kind of competition, that's that's remarkable. And you wrote this yesterday, and I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm past the point of thinking maybe 
he he gets on a team. I mean, he's 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 gonna he's gonna be on an NFL roster next year. He may not play a lot. He may you know get five or six snaps a game, but he's gonna play. And how about Kamel Hayden goes from not playing at all to he played eighty eight snaps on Saturday. Yeah, That's, Warren Warren Burrell didn't dress. Austin illness. No. Is, I mean, illness is what was what was explained. Yeah, which was I think that was a bit of a surprise to some people. And, and there's a guy in 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 Haddon who nobody had talked about. But I mean, I, he I held thought, his own. Yeah, I mean, did he? Did, was he great? No, but I mean, you didn't walk away from there going. No, like he, he didn't feel like he was a liability. Yeah, I he mean, was P, he was the highest graded player on the defense according to PFF. And again, we take that with a great assault. I mean, it's you know sometimes it doesn't match what we see, but according to PFF. He was the highest graded player, seventy six. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like Alabama picked on him. I mean, I, I mean, I you know he nearly had a pick. I mean, I Not thought like, he was he punched the ball out, had a forced fumble. I mean, I, I thought he. The, I, the I was impressed picked, to be honest. The guys with you. they picked on were two of the most experienced guys on the team, and. Trevon Flowers and Jalen McCullough, and two guys who I'm surprised more teams have not picked on earlier in the season, and have not tried to challenge them a little bit more than they've been challenged early in the season. So, um, I'm sure Kentucky's going to try to challenge you know them as well. The question is, can they, you know, can they get that done with with Will Levis, and and we'll see what happens with Kentucky this week against Mississippi State. Back to Butler, you you know, it's not just the fact that he played 69 snaps, Austin. It's, it's the productivity in those snaps. I mean, that's the best football he's played at Tennessee. I mean, he, he had volume tackles. He had tackle for loss. He chased the ball everywhere. I mean, he was, he was not just eating up snaps Saturday night. He was productive. I mean, as productive as he's ever been. I, I was – upon rewatch, I was even more impressed, and, and I thought he was impressive Saturday night. Well, you know, we had this discussion with Cedric Tillman when he was out for the locker room Sunday night. And and I really think, you know, it, it, it to me, a good learning point for, for any of us that cover the team, for fans that are, you know, that keep up with it, you know, not to ride off the kid too soon. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I think most people two or three years ago would have said, eh, he's never – he'll get passed by. And, you know, same thing with a guy like, you know, and look at the guys that are just slowly kind of stuck in there and developed, whether it be Theo Jackson – Jerome Carvin, Matthew Butler, Cedric Tillman, you know, um, and, and Cedric talked about that, just kind of like, you know, how a lot of kids feel this pressure to play early, but when you kind of just hang in there and you keep working and you keep working, you know, a lot of times that work pays off and, and maybe it doesn't pay off in the speed you want it to. Um, but if you hang in there, you've got a much better chance to make it long-term instead of kind of panicking and, well, this place is not for me. I need to go somewhere else because I can't get on the field here, and you know, and not kind of not kind of waiting your waiting your turn and, and kind of going about it that way. I mean, look at I mean, we had, we had Barnes on the Nation Sunday night, Rick or Robin. Rick talked about you know Camwa, like what he thought was realistic early on, and what t- proved to be true were like two wildly different things. And he's kind of hung in there and has started to see some of that. Uh, progress that um you know the coaches were hoping to see Hubber, if i would if i wanted to make you a bet in the preseason if i said hover matthew butler's going to have nine tackles at alabama and cedric tillman's going to go for 152 yards receiving what do you want to put on it oh can yeah I have your house can i have your house right now <laughs> well you know me i'm not betting that much but you would have taken something from me for sure because nobody nobody would have saw that and again i think it's a credit to the, to the mental makeup of those guys, because I mean, Austin, to your point and what Cedric was saying, 
is yeah people write them off but kids uh, you know a lot of kids today just don't want to take the they don't want to take that path of of the hardest resistance to work your way to be there now that's right those they want guys, the easiest those guys path. Those guys early in their career didn't have the opportunity with the one-time transfer rule, so that might have been different for them. I, you know, but you you look at it, and I mean, Cedric Tillman's played for what Austin, three different offensive coordinators since he's been here. That's correct. You he know, came so, in under Tyson Helton, and then into Jim Chaney, and then into uh, to Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel. Yeah, and so you got that. Then you've got. You know, Theo Jackson plays for a couple different – I mean, he was recruited by Willie Martinez to Tennessee, you know, um, and so he's played through a lot. I mean, the, the patience that those guys have shown – Matthew Butler went a whole year without a position coach. You know, to, the, the patience those guys have shown uh, for their development um, and are willing to work says a lot about who they are. And I think that's why this team plays the way they play because those core guys who stuck it out – have been the leaders on this team. That's and, correct. And they, they, you know, there's an effort level there because those guys have given effort regardless of their circumstances, Austin. Well, it's get, what it's done is the Theo Jacksons and Matthew Butlers have given Josh Heupel a nice starting base, even though it's not a deep base, a, a starting base to build upon. And I think to bridge the gap in between kind of like, where they are now and where they want to be two years from now, which is when Hypo would truly have his first kind of, you know, full team of mostly his guys. Um, you need players like Jerome Carvin, Cedric Tillman, uh, you know, players like that that can be back next year. Um, in fact, Tillman's a guy like Jacob Warren. He's technically got two years if he wants them. You know, he, 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 he can play two more years here if he sees fit, but like, you know, having a few of those players, maybe even a guy like Alante, um, you know, to stick around and kind of help bridge the gap. It's kind of like Brennan Webb described with the golf team. Technically this was supposed to be a kind of a rebuild year, but because COVID gave all those kids an extra year of eligibility, it's not a COVID year. It's a year where they can make it potentially back to the NCAA tournament again, um, or the NCAA golf championships out in Arizona. So, you know, they get to me, you've got to find a way to bridge the gap and build upon what Butler and Theo Jackson and some of those core, you know, super seniors did this year. With that being said, is it more important for Tennessee to win, to recruit super seniors back or to be successful in a transfer portal this offseason? I, I, I think it's both. I mean, I, I think you need a guy like Jerome Carvin to stick around. You know, he's had a really good year. Obviously got pubbed last week for not allowing a sack through however many snaps it was this year. Um, you know, but you really kind of need him to stick around because Cooper will be back. Darnell will be back. You know, um, Spragans will be back. They've got to fill out that right tackle spot. So, and, you know, and, and they're going to continue to build depth. So, to your point, they need a guy like Carvin, but they also need to go to the portal and not just find a body at tackle. Find a body that played an experienced player at tackle somewhere across the college football landscape that could be k-ron too though yeah it could be that's right they need a guy like him to come back correct there's perfect another perfect example do, do do we do people media fans i mean there's all the talk today about how active the portal is is there is there too much hope being placed in the portal and look tennessee's gotten portal help don't get me wrong i mean Hendon hooker okay and Javante we can, go, yeah. I mean, we can, you know, Javante Payton. I mean, 
Tennessee's where Tennessee is because of the portal. I mean, if if they don't have Hendon Hooker playing the way they are, our conversations about where this Tennessee program is heading into the last month of the season is vastly different, in my opinion. But in the same vein, is there too much optimism placed on finding somebody in the portal to, to, to fix big holes in your roster? Yeah, I think there is, Rob. I, I think that you can't live there. Like, if, if you can't live there the way Mississippi State and Kansas State lived in the JUCO ranks back, you know, in their heyday, back in the 90s. You, you, to me, you have to kind of pick and choose. If you need help at a certain position, you go get that help there. But you can't go, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, do the quick rebuild by going to the portal. Because most of these kids are in the portal for a reason. Um, some of them can help you. Some of them might not be able to help you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I go back to, I would rather keep guys that are here for another year and let them continue to build around the culture. You know, I mean, I, I think when Darrell Middleton hopped in the portal, you know, some of that may have been, you know, urged, but so, it, it wasn't totally urged, you know, I mean, I think he thought, Oh, I'm going to West Virginia and I'll be fine. And now he's no longer at West Virginia. Grass isn't always greener for either side. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with AP. I don't think you can live there. But I think it's here to stay, and I think oh, it's. Oh here. yeah, I do too. I mean, I think it's good. I, I think you can get help there every year, but you can't get ten guys there every year, in my opinion. Because, like you said, AP, a lot of guys are transferring. You know, not just it's not just a talent thing. It's a it's a fit thing. It's a culture thing, and also think it's important to get your your you know Dejon Terry guys that have multiple years to play, like you there pointed you out before, AP, as opposed to a one-and-done guy. I, I think that's a it's much more preferable. Yeah, so if you're going to get that one-and-done guy, you got to get guys like Caleb Tremblay who can who have been able to give you quality snaps, or Javante Payton, who, again, take away the drop against against Ole Miss, he's, he would have six straight games with a touchdown. He's, instead, he's got five out of six. I mean, like, they're, they're getting that and then some. I know it's not a huge number of catches – but when you score a touchdown a game, <laughs> you couldn't you you couldn't ask for more out of a kid um, in terms of being able to put points on the board. Well, and every every, every secondary's got to know where he's at. I mean, he, yep. he's I mean he's helping Cedric Tillman on the other side of the of the ball uh, or the other side of the field. I mean, you got to know you got to know where Peyton's at because he's clearly the, the the big the big play threat for Tennessee. And and they not only like guys like Jerome Carvin, the guys I'm talking about. But they also need a guy like Jalen Hyatt not to get discouraged because he's not maybe playing as much as everybody thought he would or thought he thought he would, but to kind of put his head down, go to work, and say, okay, look at these. And, and I would probably use those examples. Look at a guy like Javante Payton. He had to go Juco, then went to Mississippi State, had a couple of games where he had a few catches at Mississippi State, but nothing significant. He scored one touchdown, one at Mississippi State. He scored five this year for Tennessee through the first eight games. So, you know, again, can you can you figure that out? Can you find that kind of formula to, you know, to, to get kids to kind of buy in and continue to develop and not knee-jerk and go to the portal? Yeah, well, because I'm sitting here looking at Tennessee, Rob, and, and you, you know, in, a, in an open date, I mean, there'll be plenty of Kentucky talk over the course of the next week and a half. You also kind of take some some time to kind of look at big picture where is this team, you know, sort of moving forward? What do they have? And you're looking, to, to me, huge concern is the receiver position. You know, big, big picture, talking about next year, kind of where this team's at. What do they look like there? Um, offensive tackle, 
depth at linebacker, uh, productivity at the linebacker position, particularly in open space, and, and continued pass rush. Um, I, you, I think I think you can always take a defensive lineman in the portal. Well, suddenly you're sitting there going, well, "There's seven or eight guys that they could potentially need." But for me, it's the receiver position that is the biggest. Uh oh, because if you don't have the receivers in this offense, nothing good's going to happen for this offense. Yeah, I I put that at the top of the list, but man, inside linebacker not far behind. You know, just what with what we saw Saturday. But you're right with receiver. I mean. I think we all thought back in the spring that if they were going to be – if the offense was going to go, those those sophomore receivers were going to have to be a huge part of it. And they've just – I mean, I'm talking Jalen Hyatt, Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy Holiday, and they've basically been nothing. I mean, they've been – they've contributed – I mean, Callaway had the one screen pass that, you know, he took to the house. Well, we haven't seen really. him since he dropped the ball at Florida. Yeah, and you know, he has the fourth down drop, and I mean, I, I thought, I thought that some of the, you know, at least one, probably two of those kids in that sophomore class were going to have to step up and have a big role in this offense, and that that simply hasn't been the case. It's been the veterans, and so yes, I, I would agree. I mean, you take Cedric Tillman's production, you take Javante Payton's touchdown catches out of this offense, it's ugly. How creative does Tennessee have to be, Austin, to run the football moving forward with, A, the offensive line, B, Tyon Evans' ankle? You don't know when one of those – I mean, it looked like he re-aggravated it a, a decent amount on Saturday. Who knows if he's going to be 100%. How does Tennessee find ways to run the football? Or does the run game become swing passes and five-yard outs to, to, to Jalen Hyde against good rush defenses? I think that's what you're looking at, is use that as an extension of your running game. And 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 cherry pick it again. They didn't they didn't really try to run Hendon Hooker a whole lot the other night. They don't want him taking shots on that leg. He's got that big brace on there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to find a way to be creative. At least you know Kentucky again is good up front, and then Georgia's Georgia. So make it through the next two, and then South Alabama and Vanderbilt. They'll be able to run the ball no matter who the O line is, in my opinion. Yeah, they should be able to. South Alabama's better than Vanderbilt, but they they should be able to. Um, should be able to do things there. Robert, are you surprised Valus Jones? I mean, did Alabama just take him away? I, I, here's my biggest surprise with Valus Jones as I bounce around to a variety of different topics is that the fair catches we're suddenly seeing in the kickoff deal. I, I've got to ask Coach Heifel on Wednesday. It's that's, killing you. It, it, well, I mean, he's, I mean, I think he's going to get to the 25-yard line, you know, or, or somewhere between the 20 and the 25. I, I mean, I, I just look at that and go, why not take that chance? Why, why is – you know, if it's if it's in the end zone, I get it. But there were a couple Saturday night I thought he could have, you know, could have returned to see what would happen. I, I'm a little surprised that he's they're not being more aggressive in the kickoff return game. And it looked like they just had a hard time getting him the ball, other than the the, the touchdown catch on Saturday night. Yeah, he was only targeted four times. He had three catches for 18 yards. I I would have I, I would have thought those numbers would have been double as far as targets. I mean, eight you know eight or nine based off what we've seen since he moved into the slot and as productive as he has been. And like you said, maybe Alabama, you know, saw that too. And that was, that was, you know, kind of their goal to, to take him away. But I thought he would have been a much bigger, bigger part of things, especially with how much Tennessee struggled to run the ball. Uh, I thought, you know, getting him, getting him involved with some short stuff would have been maybe a bigger priority. All right, so Tennessee's off this week. Obviously, on Saturday, they'll practice a couple of days. 
coaches are going to be on the road recruiting Austin priorities for Tennessee in terms of, and I know they've been a lot of places. So it's like, they can't go see Walter Nolan and some of these other things, but what do you think priority is uh, for, for Tennessee as they, is it the Juco ranks? Um, it, it, I mean, where, where's, where do you think Tennessee's sort of going to go here? Well, I think it's, you know, a lot of it's defensive backs, you know, okay. working the kids in Alabama, working, uh, Jeremiah Caldwell working those Juco guys working Cody Jones um, you know I, I, I just think it's a lot of it's that and then I think it's it's defensive linemen you know go go see what you can find defensive lineman wise um, continue to work guys like uh, Joshua Josephs continue to work guys like uh, James Pierce you know and, and you know again Josephs is getting closer um, Tennessee Michigan I feel still think are the top two um, and then Pierce, you know, Pierce has only been, you know, unless he went somewhere this past weekend, has only ever been to Tennessee um, on two unofficial visits. And so Tennessee, I think, will try to host him sometime in December officially. Um, but, you know, he's got some work to do, um, you know, off the field. So got to continue to get all your work done. All right. Let, let me ask this uh, last thing on recruiting and a couple of quick hoop things for Rob here before we get done. Is the priority for this weekend on the, or the end of this week for Tennessee 22s or is it everything? Is it 22s, 23s? Everything. Okay, so just go see as many as you can. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I think in the short term, you know, you're going to take a huge swing at guys in the 22s. But, you know, on the whole, because you're going to be out multiple days, um, I, I think you're trying to see as many 23s and check in on as many people as you can. All right, Rob, let's talk a little hoops, I guess – Exhibition basketball play on the horizon here for Tennessee end of the week, right? Yeah, looking forward to that tilt. Looking forward to that 1 p.m. Saturday tip. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> 1 p.m. Saturday tip. And then Dylan Mitchell, I guess we fit, we've, we've put the pieces together where Texas has come out of the blue, Rob? Uh, yeah, I don't – I mean, I think there's been a lot of moving parts in that. I think there's a lot, a lot of frustrating coaches. But, yeah, his, his girlfriend who also goes to, to Montverde is – Headed to Texas, and I think that I guess probably by the time this this gets posted, I, I would imagine he will that that will have been official. He he will have committed to Texas, I yeah. think. And so that's going on there. What are you looking for out of the exhibition deal on Saturday? What are you most interested to see? Uh, hope it's hope it's quick. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most interested uh, rot- to rotation. see? Rotation. I mean, how much? I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that that will be a true reflection of what you know, what, of how Rick's going to play things, but just, you know, who gets minutes. I mean, I think everybody's going to play, but sort of who, who kind of just try to see who comes in there and is the first, second, third guy off the bench is probably what I'm most interested in. I mean, when does, you know, how, when does Huntley Hatfield come in? When does Justin Powell come in? And again, I mean, I think everybody's going to play, so I don't think you're going to be able to draw any firm conclusions off of it, but maybe try to get a clue about who, who his top, eight are because i mean i think me and you both agree he's not going to play nine or ten guys consistently all right last thing on on that can you figure out who plays best with whom in in a game like this is that something rick barnes is looking for or is that just not a not a deal i i i I, I think it's against lenore ryan no i don't i don't think you could probably tell that i mean you could maybe get a, a hint at the chemistry but i don't i don't think you can you can take any you know, concrete, concrete conclusions out of it. That's so I, – I just want to see who, who's first off the bench, who's second. You know, how much does, does Zakai Ziegler play? How much does Huntley Hatfield play? When does Justin Powell get in? Those are kind of 
probably the, you know, and Victor Bailey. I mean, there, there's going to be some, like I keep saying, I mean, there's going to be some guys, some talented guys who have a hard time getting minutes on this team. I mean, really talented guys. Well, we'll see which one of those talented guys gets an eye opener on Saturday by, by not being one of the first off the bench or not being in the starting lineup or whatever, whatever that looks like. Uh, on Saturday, because that'll be the first, I guess, in some ways, attention getters for some of those guys. Yeah, I would say so. But I also bet there's probably, I mean, may, they may not be taking it seriously, but I'd, I'd say they, the way this coaching staff operates, I'd say just about everybody has a pretty good idea of where they stand in terms of minutes, what they need to, what they need to do to get them. Yeah, there's quite a bit of transparency, that's for sure. So we'll see what this basketball team looks like on Saturday. Of course, the football team gets the weekend off, and then it's on to Kentucky. We'll have full coverage of football and basketball throughout the week. Basketball media day is on two or later this afternoon. We'll have coverage of that uh, today and also uh, throughout the week leading up to the exhibition game. Plenty of football, football recruiting as well. We'll have the Mailbag podcast coming up on Thursday also. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brett Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.